Thank you for subscribing to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. Parkway Fellowship, commonly referred to as The Park, is a purpose-driven church in Katy, Texas, recognized for its innovation and rapid growth. Designed for the person who might not be used to attending church, The Park, one of the only purpose-driven churches in the area, has quickly become one of the most popular West Houston churches for people new to their faith, to church, or to living in the Katy area. It is our prayer that God changes your life through this message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. My name is Mike McGowan, the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and you might not be aware of this, but uh, you actually get extra credit in heaven for coming to church on a rainy Sunday. So uh, <clears throat> congratulations to all of you overachievers. I'm so glad that you decided to come today uh, and be here. Uh, today we are starting off a new series called Legacy Built, and uh, many of you will recognize the logo and the music and all that kind of thing from, um, because it's very similar to what we use in our Legacy series back in November when we were talking about what does it take to leave a legacy? And it was also when we raised uh, pledges to build our youth and children's building as well as to expand this worship center. And I, and I do, I want to confirm to you what Adam said. We are on schedule to open up on Sunday, September 16th. How cool is that going to be, right? That is going to be awesome. I mean, it's going to be so great. I'm so excited about it. Um, this summer... Um, my family and I, we went on vacation. Now, Amy was in a wedding, and so, uh, uh, you know, we were going to go to Destin, Florida, so she was going to meet us there after the wedding was over. So the kids and I, we went on ahead. And uh, so I, you know, load the kids in the car, and, you know, we took off. We decided that we were going to spend the night in Baton Rouge, and so I had looked up on the internet, um, hotel prices and that kind of thing, and so I found a good deal at the Comfort Inn. So I was like, okay, awesome. So... You know, we get to Baton Rouge, we pull into the hotel, and I go up to the front desk, and no lie, there's one guy working there, and he's on his cell phone talking to his girlfriend, and I walk up to the counter, and he goes like this, he goes, and he's talking, and he's not, and he's not getting off the phone. I mean, he, they're, they're laughing and telling stories. <laughs> I mean, I'm, like, I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, I'm standing right here, dude. And so anyway, and then finally after a while, he just looked, he looked up and he goes, hey, baby, I got to go. There's a guy standing here at the counter. I was like, okay. And so, I mean, it was almost as if he thought, like, if he had talked long enough, like, I might, I might just go away, you know. But the story gets better. So anyway, <clears throat> so I said, hey, yeah, uh, I'm here. I need, uh, I need a room with two queens. And he goes, okay, you know, looks up on the computer. He's like, okay, that'll be 149 bucks. I said, now hold on. I looked on the internet before I came, and it said that the price for that room is $89. I mean, look, I'm on vacation, but I am still cheap, okay? So, <clears throat> and so he goes, he goes, yeah, but that's the internet price. In order to get that price, you got to book on the internet. I said, so you're telling me that, me standing here right now, if I got on my phone right now and booked that room on the internet, you give it to me for $89? He goes, yeah. I'm like, well, I'm standing here right now. Can't you just give it to me for that price? He goes, no, man, that's the internet price. You got to book on the internet to get that price. I'm like, oh, fine. So I get out my phone and, you know, I do the thing and I book on the internet and I was like, okay. And so he goes, oh, yeah, got your confirmation right here. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, yep, that'll be $89. For a king with a pull-out couch. I said, no, no, no. I got two kids. Right here with me. 
I need two queens. He goes, yeah, but for the internet price, you get a king with a pull-out couch. I was like, I honestly, I was like, I, I was like, there's no reason with this guy. So I was like, fine, I'll take it. So anyway, so we go up to the room, and you know, I pull out the couch, and, and there's no sheets, and there's no pillows anywhere, extra pillows anywhere in the room. There's no sheets anywhere in the room. So I call down the front desk. It's like, hey, you know, I'm up here, you know, 512. I'm the guy with the pull-out couch, and uh, I need... I, I need some sheets and pillows for this pull-out couch. He goes, oh, yeah, man, no problem. I got them right here. And he goes, and I, no lie, he said, he goes, he goes, you come down here and get them anytime you want. I was so sad. I didn't even know what to say. So I said, okay. I was talking on the phone. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was almost as if, it was almost as if the, the people at the hotel, it was as if they really didn't care about their guests. It was as if they weren't prepared at all to even have guests. And I thought about that story in our preparations for getting ready for this grand opening, which is less than a month away. Y'all, we could have a huge crowd of people here that day. You know, we're sending out invitations to come to the grand opening to 50,000 homes here in Katy. Last month, the month of July, we had 385 teenagers come on a Sunday during the month. 385 different teenagers. Now, they didn't all come the same Sunday, but you know what? We hope that they all come on the grand opening. In the month of July, we had 908 different fifth grade and under children attend Parkway Fellowship. Nine. 108. Y'all, we could have a huge grand opening. The very worst thing that could happen is that all of these new people come and we're not ready for them. That there's not enough teachers in in the kids' classroom when parents show up to check their kids in. There's not enough people to greet teenagers when they come. That there's not enough greeters, not enough people in the hospitality center, there's not enough parking lot attendants, there's not enough people at the newcomer's table, there's not enough people to reset this room between the services. The very worst thing that could happen was, would, would be that we are simply not ready for that grand opening. So we want to be ready. I mean, we want those people to know that we want them here, that we're ready for them to be here, that we built those buildings in hopes that God would bring them to come here. That's what we need to do. And in this entire series, especially today, is about helping us get ready so that when God sends us new people in our community, people that are far from him, people that need him, that we will be ready. Because the worst thing that could happen is that all of these new people show up and it's like at the Comfort Inn. We're not ready for them. I mean, it's as almost as if we'd be saying to them, hey, yeah, man, you come down and get pills and sheets whenever you want. I mean, it's about the same. And worse than that, we also leave a legacy to our kids and grandkids that says basically, I'm not here to serve God and church. God and church are here to serve me. That's the kind of legacy. Now, we would never never say that out loud, but our inaction 
says it loud and clear. But look, God does want us to be ready. Our Heavenly Father wants us to be ready because when he brings a lot of people to this place, he wants this place to be ready to receive them. He wants us to make those people feel like they're valuable and important because they are valuable and important. And God wants us to under, help, help leave a legacy through our kids and grandkids because when our kids and grandkids see us volunteering and serving, there's an incredible byproduct that comes from that. Our kids and grandkids will tend to become much less self-centered and much more selfless. They become less filled with a, uh, an attitude of entitlement and more with an attitude of humility because they've seen what it takes firsthand to reach new people for Christ. That is the kind of legacy that we want to live. That's the kind of legacy that we can be proud of. And in the three verses that we're going to look at this morning, God gives us an outline for how to structure a church that functions to reach the maximum number of people possible on any given day. In these few verses, the Lord unrolls his plan for how you and I are to grow and deepen by serving. In just these three verses, he shows us how church is supposed to work. All we got to do is follow it. So, go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. And let's start by asking this question. How do I build a legacy of service? How do I do that? Well, here's number one. I need to serve where I'm needed. Serve where I'm needed. In Ephesians chapter four, let's look at the first two of these three verses. God says this. It says, it was he, this is God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. And circle these next two words, to prepare, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be, and I want you to circle these last two words, built up. Now, verse 11 starts out by saying that it's the responsibility of the pastors of a church Not to do all the work of the church, but to equip the people of the church to do the work of the church. I mean, think about it. What's a more effective model? For like six people to do everything in the church, or for six people to help 1,700 people get ready to do everything in the church? I mean, mean, there's there's no comparison, right? But this verse goes deeper than that. I had you circle verse 12 because verse 12 is the key to understanding this entire section. Okay? The first two words I had you circle, to prepare, the words to prepare really mean to put right. And they were used when talking about setting a broken bone or mending nets. It's a word that was used when talking about setting a broken bone or mending nets. What's the Bible saying here? The Bible's saying that, look, when everybody in the church isn't serving, it's comparable to the body of Christ having a broken bone or having a hole in the net. I mean, when people aren't serving, there are places in the church that aren't functioning like they should. 
There might not be a te- enough teachers for a class. There might not be enough people on a ministry team to do the work of the ministry team. And, you know, it's like if you have a stress fracture in one leg, and so you put extra weight on the other leg to compensate, well, over time, that extra weight that that good leg is carrying can cause damage. And then you actually end up doing, that, doing real damage to your good leg. Well, that, that's not how it's supposed to look. If there's not enough people serving, it's like that there's a hole in the net of reaching new people. And so when new people come, there may not be enough people volunteering in a certain ministry. And so when those people leave, they leave through that hole in the net because, you know, there just wasn't enough reason for them to come back. Do you see how that works? Now, we ask all the people in our church to serve in two ministry areas at the church. To serve in two. And if you're already serving in two areas, I'm not talking to you this morning, okay? Except to say this. Thank you. Thank you from me and from our staff for your willingness and dedication to make Parkway Fellowship the great church that it is. And so I I just need to say thank you. Now, I am talking to the folks in this room that are not serving anywhere in the church or maybe only serving in one area of the church. Look, I'm talking to anybody who regularly attends Parkway Fellowship. You don't have to be a member at this church to serve in this church. We don't have those kinds of rules. Look, and I'll be honest with you, we've got some areas of real need in our church. I mean, there's a lot of areas in our church that, I mean, they look like they're doing fine, but the truth is, They only appear that way because we've got some extraordinary people that are really going the extra mile to make things happen and to keep things together. There's not a single ministry in this church that I would say that has a full complement of people serving in it. But people serving extra and going the extra mile, that's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not the way God designed it to be. I mean, we are supposed to set those broken bones. We're supposed to mend those holes in the net by serving so that the church is stronger and more effective and not overburdened in any place. Now, let me tell you a few areas of our church that have extraordinary needs, okay? Here's the first. The first area is uh, what we call our first impression ministries. These are our first impression ministries. These are ministries like greeter ministry, hospitality, newcomers information table, the service reset team, the parking lot team, and ushers. These are ministry teams that make a first impression on our guests on Sunday. And like I said, there's not a single one of these that has a full complement of people, okay? And if you want to be a part of a team that helps reach people for Christ and helps those people have a good experience at church in hopes that they would find Christ at church, then maybe one of our first impression ministries is a great ministry for you. Second area that we really need is in our student ministries. Uh, This is working with teenagers as a Sunday morning table leader, a sound tech, a small group leader, or maybe even a small group host. 
Look, these are areas that are critical in working with teenagers from our church. Honestly, you have no idea the influence that you could have on a teenager by helping them learn from your experience. You have no idea. You know, maybe by hosting a small group or by leading a small group. Now, you might think, well, you know what? I mean, I, I don't know anything about working with teenagers. I don't know how to talk to teenagers. You don't have to. Remember, it's the job of the pastors to equip you to learn how to do that. And we will. That is our role. That's what we do. Third area that we really need is we need people in our kids' ministries. It's working with kids that are fifth grade and under. As Sunday morning team members, small group leader, or tech crew, check in. Again, you don't have to know how to do any of that stuff. It's our role as pastors to teach you how. You just have to be willing. So let me ask you. If you go to church here regularly and you're not serving in two areas of ministry, would you be willing to serve in at least one area that's needed? Because when you do, it's like setting a broken bone or mending a net. You make the church stronger and more effective. And that helps you and your children and your grandchildren. It helps us to be prepared for new people that might come in. Now, this passage tells us a second thing as well. It tells us that I need, to, and this is your second fill-in, second big fill-in, that I need to serve where I'm gifted. I need to serve where I'm gifted. Now, some of you already probably guessed that fill-in because and we talk all the time at Parkway Fellowship how we have to we serve in two areas: one where we're gifted, one where we're needed, and one where we're gifted. Now, I want to show you where that gifted part comes from. It comes from the second part of this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. It says this, Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and, I want you to circle these two words, become mature. Until we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see, one of the goals of serving is that you become spiritually mature. You know, some people think that spiritual maturity comes from like, you know, just knowing more Bible facts and having more Bible knowledge. Well, I'll be honest with you, that's just a part of the process of becoming spiritually mature, but that's not all of it. In fact, according to Ephesians 4, one key component of spiritual maturity is that you serve somewhere in the church. Now, how does serving lead to spiritual maturity? I mean, isn't serving just working? <laughs> no, it's not. It's so much more than that. Serving leads to spiritual maturity in at least four ways. Let me give them to you. These are your bullet points. First, you learn important lessons about responsibility towards other people. Look, when some people on your team don't show up and they don't give notice, uh, that's just not inconvenient for your team. It places an undue burden on your ministry team. And so you learn what that feels like. And I'll be honest with you, spiritual mature, spiritually mature people, they don't do that because they've learned this lesson. Secondly, you also learn what it means to rely on other people. Look, when you serve on a team, you quickly realize that no one person can do it all. You need them, they need you. You know, in serving in ministry, in serving, you realize that no one's a superhero. No one is a lone ranger. We need each other. And we learn what it means to rely on each other. Third, 
You learn how to selflessly serve other people. Because honestly, sometimes when you serve, you don't get anything in return. You don't get anything in return. You, you don't serve because of what you get. You serve because of how it helps other people. How it helps those other people, you know, find Christ and become more knowledgeable about him. Spiritually mature, under pe- uh, spiritually mature people understand it's not all about them. It's all about him and his kingdom and helping people find their way to Christ into a right relationship with God. And if they go unthanked, unnoticed, and unappreciated, then they do. But I'll tell you this, he notices. He keeps track. And I can guarantee you that their reward in heaven will be great. Fourth thing that you learn is this, is that if you teach children, youth, or adults, you learn when you prepare, teach, and answer questions about that lesson. Look, it puts you on the fast track towards spiritual maturity. And one thing that spiritually mature people realize is that when they're good at doing certain things, they want to use those things for God. You know, if they realize that they're good at teaching, spiritually mature people teach. When they realize that they're um, good at working behind the scenes, then they work behind the scenes and they work hard. When they realize that, hey, I'm good at making people feel at ease, then they greet or they serve in the hospitality center or in the newcomer's welcome center. You know, they do the things that they realize that they're good at, that they have been gifted by God to do. Now, you might be thinking, well, I mean, I don't have any idea what I might be good at. The best way to figure that out is just to start serving. Spiritually mature people figure out what they're good at by actually by starting out and just trying stuff out. And you know, you try what you think you might be good at, and if you end up being great at it, awesome, then you found it, then go get them. And if you realize, oh, that's, that's really not me, well, then you try something else until you find it. That is what spiritually mature people do. And it's like setting a broken bone. It's like mending the nets. It makes the whole church stronger. So let me ask you. Are you serving in a place where you're needed? And are you serving in a place where you're gifted? Because that's what the Bible says that we're supposed to do. Doing both leads you and I to spiritual maturity. Both of those help the body of Christ become stronger. When you serve where you're gifted and you serve where you're needed, the parts, parts of the church are strengthened and made better. And that benefits everybody. So let me ask you again. Are you serving in two places? One where you're needed and one where you're gifted. Are you serving in two places? Our biggest needs right now are in our first impressions ministries. Our uh, student ministries and in our kids ministries. And look, when you serve at the park, you only have to serve in, during one service. You don't serve like all three. And almost all of our ministries are on a rotation basis. You don't even serve every single Sunday. Let me conclude by telling you something that <clears throat> Jenny Jones, our children's pastor, told me this last week. We're talking about serving. And she's talking about to me how vital it is that men. So man, I'm going to talk to you for just a second. That men serve, especially in children's ministry. She said basically there's two reasons. She said 
Number one, Mike, <clears throat> we have so many kids that grow up in homes where they just have a single mom that those influence of those men are critical in those kids' lives. Critical in those kids' lives. I, I, I mean, many of those kids spend so little time with their dad. And let's be honest, a lot of those dads, they don't really make much effort. I mean, we've all heard stories about missed birthdays, missed basketball games, missed weekend visitation. You know? I mean, it, those kids from single homes, from homes of single moms, man, you, men, you can help fill in a gap that was left by someone else. I mean, there is a huge hole in those kids' lives that they didn't make and they didn't ask for, but they pay a huge price. And God has given you an opportunity to be used by him to serve in a key role of influence in those young lives. Secondly, she said this. She said, Mike, you have no idea what it means for a kid to have their dad serve in their classroom. In, in whatever capacity. Not, not even teaching, but just serving there. She said, you have no idea what it means. She said, I had a kid <clears throat> come the other day and tug on my shirt and say, Miss Jenny, when is my dad going to serve in my classroom? Man, you have a unique opportunity to do something amazing, to leave an, an unbelievable legacy for your kids, for your grandkids. I mean, think about the legacy that your dad left you. You know, your dad was probably one of two things. Either he was super involved in your life or he was conspicuously absent, either emotionally or physically. But either way, what kind of legacy did he leave in your life? And you have a chance to leave the legacy that you want in the lives of your kids, your grandkids, and the lives of other children and teenagers here at this church. And in so doing, you make those places in the church stronger and more effective by setting those bones and mending those nets. I'm telling you, with our grand opening less than a month away, we need to make sure that we're ready. That we're ready for new guests. We're ready for new children, new teenagers, people that have been far away from God, people that are just giving church this one last ditch effort to save their marriage, maybe even to save their life. We need to be ready to grow as a church, not just in numbers, but to grow in our own spiritual vitality and depth by serving. That is God's model. We need to be ready to change the lives of children and teenagers. Because when we do, that is when we leave a legacy built. And that's what it's all about. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. And I want you to check on the notes because you're going to take those home. But I also want you to check on the card, the next step or steps that you're willing to take today. And maybe it's this first one. Sign me up 
to serve in a first impression ministry. Now, you don't have to circle which one. We'll contact you about signing up for one of these. But you just say, you know what? Sign me up to serve in a first impression ministry. That's greeter, hospitality, newcomers information table, service reset team, parking lot team, ushers. Adam's going to come up here in just a minute when he dismisses and let us know a little bit more about that. Or maybe it's this next one. Sign me up to serve in the student ministry. Sunday morning table leader. Did you know that last Sunday, they, our teenagers had four tables that didn't have an adult. Crowded with teenagers, but no adult to lead them. So they had to split them up and overpack other tables. Sound tech, small group leaders, small group hosts. And again, we'll contact you about which one of those to serve. You don't have to circle. Just say, I'm, sign me up, I'm in. And this next one. Sign me up to serve in the children's ministry. That's a Sunday morning team leader, a small group leader, a tech crew, check-in. Could be any one of those. Or maybe this one. I will memorize Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, 11, 12, and 13. I know it's a little bit of a long verse, but here's the whole thing. I mean, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attending to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's a long verse, but I'm telling you, it's a great one to memorize because in it is the model for doing church. Maybe it's this next one. Email me a full list of ministries at the park so I can serve where I'm gifted. I mean, we've got like 50-something places that you can serve at the park. Now, these are the ones of greatest need, but if none of those really fit you, just say, you know what, email me the list, and I'll pick from that. We'll do it this, we'll send it to you this week. Maybe it's this last one. I want to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. Look, here's the thing. <clears throat> you can't serve God until you have a relationship with God. And the only way to do that is to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, to forgive you for everything you've ever done, and pledge to follow him as best you can from this day forward. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. But you're going to do your very best. That's what being a Christ follower means. If you've never done that before. There's a sample prayer for how to become a Christ follower. At the bottom of your message notes. Would you pray that prayer right where you sit? Pray it right now. But I want you to check the box. Because I want to send you some information in the mail. To help you get started. I also want you to pick up a new believer packet. On your way out today. Now listen. If you're taking any of these next steps, make sure that your information is on the front of the card. We cannot contact you if you haven't written on the front of your card. And everybody needs to turn in your own card. If you turn in one for husband and wife, we don't know which one of you to sign up. So we'll just sign you both up. So everyone turn in your own card, okay? All right, let me pray for you as uh, Pat and the band come back up. Father, I thank you so much. God, I, I, I thank you that you have already put forth a plan to make your church so ridiculously effective that when you cast the net to reach new people, there's no holes. So that when the body of Christ stands up against the enemy and against the darkness in our community, it can stand with strength on its own two feet because it's strong without any broken bones because it's people ready to serve, ready to go to war. And I thank you that you've given us an opportunity to look at our own lives today and say, you know what? I don't want to be a self-centered person. I want to be a God-centered person. Because we want to 
follow you and serve you and help us to do that with all our might. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Our prayer is that God has given you at least one next step to take today in your walk with Christ. For more information about Parkway Fellowship or to contact us, visit www.parkwayfellowship.com. To talk with a pastor about becoming a Christ follower for the first time, you can call our offices at 832-222-9282.